Hello and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan. We are live right here, as we typically are, 7 p.m. Eastern every Thursday night, leading into the Thursday night football game. Here to discuss our favorite games on the board and taking your questions. So if you're hanging out with us now on YouTube, in the chat, subscribe first so you don't miss the show. Jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite week three bet side or total is. Uh, harass us about how we've been doing so far. That was a little bit better last week. We're, we're getting there. Excited to be joined here as always by my friends, Connor Allen, John Daigle. Daigle, started with you. Uh, how we doing, my friend? Groundhog's Day season. Every day, every week is the same. More football to talk about, even though it does get easier and more exciting the more questions we have answered as we move along with pertinent data for the 2022 season. So even like last week, I would I would say I was pretty cloudy-headed uh, just because we were asking questions and the answer was, I don't know, I don't think so, but I really don't know. I think we have a little more leans this week, so a lot more comfortable this week. Yeah, I know Connor feels that way too. I do too. Obviously, I think we get better. Our data gets better as we get into the season. It's easier to kind of, you know, make up from down and, and kind of parse through all the noise. Connor, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good. I think that it having at least two weeks now of data is good because you can also put like context on which teams they played for those two weeks. So I feel like it solidifies it a little bit more than, you know, a ranking or a metric from just one week of data, you know, like you can kind of start to see some consistency in some teams. And I think that that, that helps a lot. Um, but I'm in terms of how I'm doing for this show, I'm back from the grave, you know, oh, and three in week one, uh, two and one last week, um, you know, just two and one every week and I'll be a happy man. So that's all I can ask for. Yeah, we got to get you off the snide for sure. So, uh, yeah, last week, two and one for Connor. Daigle and I went one and two. Um, I'm still up on the boys three and three on the season. So I'm not bragging to be up on the boys uh, who are both two and four at three and three. So um, I'm with you. Like two weeks is okay. I want. We start to get four weeks, five weeks. We have a better idea of maybe where our priors were wrong and we can move off of maybe perceived strength of schedule and get into a little bit more concrete stuff. But again, every week is a new piece and we get to add it to the pile and, and I think it makes us uh, better. So I'll remind you that we have two episodes of Move the Line each week, both available to stream live here on YouTube, also available in podcast form. For our OGs, we appreciate you wherever you consume podcasts. In addition to the game previews here on Thursday nights, Move the Line Prop Drop is live at 2 p.m. Eastern every Friday. Pat Mayo joins Connor and I. Uh, we go around. We share four props. We take your questions. That's the best part. Uh, you hop in there. Let us know what you're looking at, any thoughts, any leans there. Again, don't forget to go over to the 4 for 4 YouTube channel and subscribe there as well. I want to remind you, this episode of Move the Line brought to you by our friends at No House advantage.com it is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today play pick'em contests versus other people for a shot of winning two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cash you might not have heard of them before but you could download the app choose a contest select your player props and earn big money every day you also test your skills versus the house and 20x your entry if you hit all your picks um you go over to NoHouseAdvantage.com. You can sign up with our promo code 444 or download the app and get a first-time deposit match up to 25 bucks. We'll get it started. Connor Allen, uh, coming off of a blistering 2-1 week two, uh, kicking us off with your first bet of the week. Yeah, my first bet here, Texans plus three at minus 115 at DraftKings. Now, okay, so I tweeted out early in the week that I thought the Bears are better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, and I think that it got taken a little bit out of context. I was getting some, you know, some shit from people about it. 
Um, I mean, I, I had bet on the bears under seven, under six and a half, under five and a half to be the worst team in the league. Like I fully anticipated them being like a bottom, like a, the worst team in the league. And so I think that I was I, honestly, it might've been a knee jerk reaction because I think that their offensive line in terms of run blocking has played well. Um, and that, that surprised me a little bit. So I kind of, at this point now, like settling in, you know, looking back at it situationally, I'm not really even read, ready to really fully give them credit for that because, um, you know, something that Daigle and I talked about, were they really like Green Bay was probably letting them run one and two, um, like Green Bay's run defense, I don't really think is all that good. So we're looking at this, this matchup here against the Texans, the Texans 11th in EPA against the run 19th, uh, in run D DBOA. And that was against Jonathan Taylor in the Broncos run game. So like, I don't think this, this Texans run defense is like really all that bad here either. And the bears passing game, just absolute toast, allowing a 37.5% pressure rate. She's dead last in the league fields only attempted 28 pass attempts in two games. Uh, one of the lowest in NFL history through two games. So I don't necessarily love the Texans defense in general, but just considering how bad the bears have been and that the Texans have played like reasonably well against decent competition, I think, you know, speaks volumes here. Also I expect offensively the Texans to do a lot of damage on the ground here. Bears allowing 5.3 uh, yards per carry, uh, 21st in EPA against the run, but a lot worse in DVOA. So also Roquan Smith missed practice today. Could, I mean, could potentially miss this game. So yeah, I think that the Texans here outright plus three, both good looks. Um, but I think that it is going to be a close game. So I think probably the plus three is a better play. Yeah. I get any thoughts, JD. The only concern for me would be that only Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance have a lower on target rate than Davis Mills through two games. Mills has completed just 56% of his passes for five and a half yards per attempt. He's been terrible this year. Um, the bears, like I do question what the hell is going on. We, we don't, figure that they're going to average 14 past tenths per game like it's been a volume concern in a monsoon and against the Packers who soaked up plays but you can also say yeah but they've only passed on early downs on 35 percent of the time and in that second half of, against the Packers when they're down 24 7 they called eight dropbacks like so I don't know if they know what they're doing anymore, maybe they do just want to use Dave Montgomery and Khalil Herbert to a lesser extent, and that be the offense. So it's fine, but I, I really don't have a lean on this game either way. It's another one I've just been avoiding, honestly. It's it's interesting because if you looked at like in the first half, they tried to pass the ball, like they just couldn't do it. So they like run the ball. They had that one drive where they scored a touchdown where they're running the ball and you know had a couple passes there, and then they tried to pass the ball and they just couldn't. So then they like gave up and just said, okay, we're just gonna run the ball and. I mean, I guess they were like, like slightly more successful in that area, but it just took so long and like wasn't efficient enough that it really even mattered. And they were successful because of course, like if the Packers see you running the ball, they're like, yes, please run the ball. Like we will give you five to 10 yards per carry every single time. And we will still easily win this game. I think it's a nice teaser leg in particular, like, uh, you know, you can get them up through because there's, it's two and a half in some spots, threes out there, but you can take it through the three and the seven. I don't think we think that even if the things go well for the Bears that they were running away with this. So um, I like you sticking with your conviction. I believe this was a, this has been in the books for two months. This has, I remember people, you guys were giving me shit about it. Uh, you know, about booking the early look at here. I am, I guess, zero and one on, you know, multi-month look aheads, uh, you know, <laughs> rest in peace, the Bengals plus two and a half against the chargers in week one of last year, uh, a missed field goal attempt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was tough, tough beat. Bricked that. Uh, but you know, this, I I'm going to write this ship here. I'm confident. I do think this is a good question again, by our friend, Kevin, the engineer on 
Connor, where would you reset the Bears' win total? Six and a half, remember, when the season kicked off right now. Uh, probably four and a half, maybe three and a half. I think four and a half is probably fair because they do, they still get to play the, I believe, the Jets, Falcons, Giants. So, I mean, I think that they're probably like, they could probably beat the Jets, but I think that they might lose the Falcons, um, to be honest, too. So, and they might lose the Texans here. So, I, I don't know. It's, it'll be close. They're going to have to get some major upsets to get over like four or five wins. Yeah, they're on the road against the Giants next week. Just uh, could be an undefeated Giants team coming off of a big Monday night win against the Cowboys. So it'll be interesting to see. So, like I said, I like your conviction there. Um, I don't feel really good about the Bears. But again, I also feel like I don't really know. Again, we talked about we have two data points. I still don't really feel like we have a great data point from week one with Chicago because it was such a weird monsoon game and I really don't know what to expect. But strange to see them unwilling to throw late in that game last week. So we'll wait and see here. Um, my first one is another team that I think we don't have enough data points on, and it feels like a square play. But I'm going to back the Niners here, um, minus one and a half on the road in Denver. This feels like a you know a home dog. We know some of like the historical data on the Broncos at home early in the season, how it's been such a massive advantage. I don't know. I don't want to overrate this Nathaniel Hackett stuff, but it's kind of messed up. And I, our friends. Uh, at the ringer did a great, great, great spot. Ben Solak on basically look Hackett was hired to essentially entice Aaron Rodgers to come to Denver. Um, hadn't really called plays. And now he's dealing with that really strange. Uh, it's a, it's a tough thing. And not a lot of guys do it as the head coach who also is the play caller. And you see it where he is completely caught off guard in the moment multiple times. And yeah, I think the home field advantage is a big piece, but also when you think about all the stuff that happened last week in that game and how that crowd turned on them on a dime, their leash is really, really, really short this week. That that home field advantage is dissipated instantaneously if we have any sort of stumbling out of the gate again, any sort of red zone issues, any sort of clock management issues, him not being able to decide whether or not they want to go for uh, go for on fourth kick a field goal i know everyone's seen it you, if you have not seen the third and short like option to the tight end that they failed on which is just a bizarre play and again the saints did it really well with Taysom hill that's great that wasn't what you were utilizing here uh in eric starberger or whoever it was who's had like you know runs like a 5 40 and has had one carry in like six years in the in the nfl no idea why that's the play but then they couldn't decide in the moment what they wanted to do. They originally seemed like they wanted to go for it. Delayed a little bit, send Brandon McManus out there to kick the field goal, and he got the field goal off, but he didn't in time because it was a delay of game. Now all of a sudden, they can't go for it, and now they're pushed back to like a 59-yard field goal. And these things happen multiple times. They happen in the red zone, and this is why you've seen like this indecision in the red zone and why they are the worst red zone offense in the league so far. The fumbles that happened in week one, I think, are you know they're obviously noisy, but I'm also worried about just like the pace of the play in the offense too. Like I thought we this was Seattle's pace of play stuff. Maybe this is just Russ' pace of play. Russ just kind of plays slow, and this indecision isn't helping them out either. Now there's injury issues. Um, good injury issues on the San Fran side. George Kittle back this week by all accounts. Practiced in full today. Looks great. Jerry Judy, Patrick Sertan both left last week in the middle of the game. I believe Judy probably plays. I don't know about Sertan so much, but that's a big, big issue. They probably get KJ Hamler back too, but I don't know. There just are a lot of questions here. I think they're able to collapse the pocket and pressure Russ 
and one and a half. I mean, we talked about the volatility on the Niners. I feel like they're more stable. We know what they are with Jimmy in the lineup, and that's not a great team, but that is a little bit more of a predictable team, and I think this defense can be pretty elite. So I'm going with the Niners, even though it feels square, laying the points there on the road. You mentioned them being the worst red zone offense. So just to add more context to that, they're tied with the Seahawks as the only two teams with no red zone touchdowns through two games. And they've had their chances. Russ is tied with Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins for the second most dropbacks inside the 20 through week two. The issue is he's 8 of 18 with no touchdowns in that range. And Denver running backs have combined for four carries for three rushing yards inside the red zone as well. You also noted the 49ers pass rush, and that's the key for me here because the 49ers have registered the highest pressure rate in the league through these first two games and for the season. And it's early, but so far, Russ is 6 for 20 for a yard and a half per attempt per on under pressure. Like he's been literally the worst quarterback under pressure in the league. So I am somewhat concerned. It's going to take a full 180 for them to cover this. Yeah, so I, like I just kept looking at it, and I'm like, gosh, it feels like such a, a layup spot for the Broncos at home. And I know you know Connor's got them involved later in the show in a different way. Um, and I think again, situation we can both win. But like, I don't know, Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, we can uh, we can talk about it now, at least that part of the leg. So I did as part of my last play, tease them up to seven and a half. But a lot of that had to do with one, you're getting through the three and the seven. You know, just in terms of that, it's supposed to be a low scoring game. And to your points defensively, I totally agree. I don't think that the Broncos have a ton of success offensively here, but I also am not really sure that the 49ers have much success offensively either. Um, I mean, Jimmy G was basically kicked out of the entire organization throughout the offseason, came back. They've played the Bears and the Seahawks, two of the, I mean, what we consider bottom three, four teams in the NFL. Um, I just don't know how much of a good barometer that is just in general for the offense. And so I know that, Jimmy G should come back and be able to at least competently run the offense. But, you know, I, I'm worried that there might be some, some hiccups along the way. And I think that, you know, are they a team that's able to, you know, like boat race the Broncos here, or at least like, you know, destroy them. I don't think so. Unless, especially with their running back and their running game, kind of just in flux, I guess, like Jeff Wilson is, you know, fine. They're using Debo a little bit more as a running back as well. So I don't know. I, I think that I'm kind of, um, I, I think that my teaser is still fine. I think that, it's probably a three-point game either way, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I think that, that that's mostly why I played it there. And I think to the to your points defensively, that makes a lot of sense. Unless there are trolley motors attached, this is no boat race. They're going right. nowhere. This yeah, first yeah. one of seven wins. Yeah, right. no, I agree. We're not, we're not playing a, a Niners team total or anything like that. Because yeah, I mean, I, I also think that the ceiling without Lance is probably um, smaller, right, or lower. But I also think that we have a predictability in this offense that again, it's it's, we know that Shanahan knows how to maximize yards after the catch in a way that allows them to kind of disguise Jimmy and allow him to be a game manager, right? That's a lot of scheme stuff. And I think that that's kind of why they've been successful even with Jimmy knowing his limitations over the last handful of years. So um, the, 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 the double-edged sword is that on one hand, he has four years of experience in the offense. Like that's why I don't think there'll be a blip. Um, he, he, they know what to do. They're just going to throw out the same playbook. Uh, also though, when he got in last week and maybe it, cause it was a Trey Lance game plan. He was trying to run, but when he came in, dude, he was bad. He was, he was cooked. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's because he hasn't had like any live reps, but goodness, he was so off when throwing the ball. 
you gotta think about what his camp was like, right? He was relegated to like by himself. <laughs> he was with the kickers. They're just right. like hanging out. They're talking about tea times. Like, when are we getting out today? Like there was, he wasn't part of any team drills. And yes, he, he'll, yeah. I think this week he'll get back. He stepped into the offense that he knows very well. So I'm with you. I'm like, I also don't want to overrate the, you know, those bumps too. And he actually threw the ball down the field more than we were expecting to. So maybe that is part of the, you know, scripted Trey Lance stuff that they wanted to do Jimmy down and out of the seams outside the numbers, which is, which is interesting too. So um, I do want to say you guys got a great card this week. Um, I bypassed some of this stuff, but I feel like it's going to be a good week for the team because again, just confirmation bias, right? Daigle in particular, love what you did there. Actually kind of like another one of Connor's plays that's coming up. So I feel really good about the team this week. Uh, JD, you got to start with your first uh, play. The more data we get, the quicker you got to get in that share Google doc, because now I'm getting <laughs> all the information early. So everything's starting to, the matrix is starting to click again for me. Um, and what we do know from the Matrix is that Patrick Mahomes gets his good friend Gus Bradley again on the other side of the ball. The Raiders led the league in cover three last year. And right now with the Colts, they're leading with 64% of their defensive snaps from cover three as well. And remember, the Chiefs played the Raiders both games in the second half of the season last year whenever they started seeing cover two, and that's how teams were stopping them. But Gus Bradley still didn't change his approach, and that's what's important here because in the two games against the Raiders last year, Mahomes completed 74% of his passes for nearly nine yards per attempt, 330 yards per game, seven touchdowns, and no picks. And it could have been even better than those numbers if they didn't just wallop them 48-7 to in the second game, and Mahomes only needed to throw 24 passes. He completed 20 of them. I can't imagine the Colts having any sort of pushback in stopping the Chiefs' offense. What could happen now, I could get backdoored here because the Colts' offense will show up because like last week, we discussed it. We were concerned that the Jaguars were an outright money line cover. That's where we were at because the Colts just played 90 plays and 70 minutes of football, and then we're go- being asked to travel East Coast to an early kickoff. Like, it matters. So, And they looked lifeless like that with injuries in their front seven, injuries in their secondary, and injuries at wide receiver with Michael Pittman. So, like, they could very well be healthy now. They're at home indoors. The game script makes a lot more sense for them. But unless it's a backdoor cover, I just still don't think the Colts can hang with the Chiefs. We're also dealing with Andy Reid on 10 days rest. Which again, Andy Reid with any sort of extra preparation time is just historically been massively advantageous. And to your point, like the Gus Bradley thing, it's continued. They're still running that single high cover three look. Um, and didn't move off of it. You talked about it, like leading up to that. We it's kind of where the, the Chiefs stalled last year. Three points in Tennessee, twenty at home against the Giants. That's a bad Giants defense. Thirteen against the Packers, all against those cover two looks. Bradley says, "Nope." Chiefs hang forty-one on them. Then the struggles continue. Next week, nineteen against the Colts, twenty-two against the Broncos. So again, these are not your typical Pat Mahomes. Chiefs scores. Then they play again against the Raiders. They go for 48 again. So like everything in that like six week span was really bad, except the outlier performances against the Gus Bradley defenses. So yeah, I'm there. I took the Chiefs team total over 27 and a half, which I think is a a great look. Um, Feel really good about it. I like the five and a half too. The most fantasy points Mahomes has scored since week five last year was against the Raiders. Unsurprisingly. I also think another factor too, with the Colts offense, they've been shut out in seven of nine quarters that they've played so far this season against the Texans and the Jaguars. I mean, that is horrible. You know, like I, I think that that's the only way it gets back to it is like the Colts offense needs to step up. Now they get Michael Pittman back. We thought they'd be lost on it, but now it's like 
I'm I'm still worried because we expect the Chiefs offense to have plenty of success here. Like, can the can the Colts score 24, 27 points to like cover? I, I don't think so. So I still lean the Chiefs here. I know we got some good look ahead line value there. Uh Noonan, you know, shout out to you and uh Sharp Clark there for grabbing that. I did tail that as well. Um, but I'm also playing the Chiefs team total over 27 and a half. Yeah, and I think this is a, a fair point, right? The you know, you look back, there was some mixed bag stuff with the Chargers with his time there. Because again, Bradley spent like four years with the Chargers and then one year with the Raiders. So we had a lot of AFC West experience. Um there's some mixed bag if you go back a little further than just you know 2020, and it's fair. The Raiders' secondary was devoid of talent, um, for sure. But I'm also questions about what's going on with the Colts back end too. Stephon Gilmore looks like he's on the wrong side of it. Uh, Kenny Moore is really good. I don't think he's fully healthy. He struggled a little bit so far this season, kind of underperforming where he's been historically and like catch rate allowed and and some of those things. So. Yeah, I just I lean to Andy Reid getting the 10 days rest on a fast track. And to all the Hef's point, it's not about doing things. Well, it is about doing things that make your team better. But the issue is when coaches try to fit their personnel to their scheme and then don't alter to give them the best chance to succeed. So that may have been, and I don't even think this is the case, but to your point, let's pretend like playing cover three all year for Gus Bradley was – the best way to go for a talentless Raider secondary. What we saw was that he didn't change the game plan at all, even though he knew he was going to get beat. And so it's like Titans, right? They run Vrabel's cover one scheme. And when you do that against Stephon Diggs, guess what happens? You get burned for 140 yards and three touchdowns because ain't no rookie covering Stephon Diggs one-on-one for any amount of time and any number of routes. And that's what happens. Gus Bradley's going to throw them out. He's not going to cater to what is better for this team to win. He's going to use the same damn scheme, and Mahomes is going to burn him. Exactly. And now you're catching a, a Colts team right now that through two weeks ranks like bottom five in EPA, 29th capacity DVOA, just 23rd in pressure rate. Like, and that's again against the Texans and the Jaguars. Like this is these are not do, teams that we necessarily think are awesome. Do we have an update on Shaq Leonard? A practice today. Okay. Yeah. Because he he definitely matters. He does definitely matter. Yeah. So it's interesting to see. Um, I think you could see it really with the way the cover three works, that single high safety typically plays pretty deep. You have a lot of stuff open over the middle. Could be a really nice spot for Juju, Kelsey. Um, maybe not big plays, but just moving the chains. And we've seen the way that Mahomes has kind of progressed as a passer over the last you know year plus with the way defenses have changed their looks at him. He's willing to take whatever you give him. I just think he's methodical. I, I will also note, though, team total is probably the safer way to go. We have some very sharp friends who are on the Colts. And I think it's because we may maybe still be underrating the Colts offense. Um, I, I still don't think we have a really good read given their circumstances to the first two games. Like the opponents, I understand. But again, we can throw out that Jags game. That doesn't matter. Like that game literally told us nothing. And really a must win, right? And I know that doesn't matter and shouldn't matter to a handicap, but like, man, this division is a mess. It's going to be really hard to go. Maybe in this division, you can go 0-3 to start and still find your way into the playoffs. But Ooh, real dicey. Um, we were feeling pretty good about the Colts being kind of the, I don't know, the bell of the ball in this division, even though they weren't a team that we were really overall bullish on. Right. I think a lot of that had to do with Texans, you know, disdain. Uh, and that kind of leads into my next one here that we can kind of get going on because uh, I think that they they lose again here against the Raiders. I like the Raiders minus one and a half. Titans, um, Titans disdain. Sorry. Yes. T yes. Titans. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But with the Titans, I just, I mean, they're really struggling, and, and the Colts are have not really picked up the slack. Um, but in terms of my next bet, I like the Raiders here, minus one and a half against the Titans. 
Uh, I mean, we were fading them coming into the year and they've done nothing but, you know, prove us right. Uh, I mean, their defense right now struggling 32nd in explosive run rate around allowed 32nd in run EPA 26 in pass CBOA. Um, and the Titans on the other side of the ball, like their main hope I thought of moving the ball was essentially Derrick Henry, just being a grown ass man, like really kind of, again, you know, bucking the trend, continuing to be awesome, but he has been awful so far. I mean, their, their offense has been terrible. Um, 29th in EPA overall. Um, and the Raiders run defense has been pretty good. 10th in run EPA, sixth in explosive run rate so far. Um, and so I don't necessarily think that the Raiders have an awesome deep, awesome defense, but again, it's one of those things where the Titans have just played so poorly. Their offensive line has played poorly. No one has stepped into that alpha role that they need so badly. And as a wide receiver, Traylon Burks has, I would say exceeded my expectations, but again, he's still running fewer routes than, um, you know, Robert Woods running similar routes now to Nick Westbrook, Akeen, but he has not stepped into like an alpha role. Um, and I think that that potential is there, but it's just not there yet. So I like the Raiders here to win. I think it's good up to three, to be honest. Uh, I just have them at this point, even after last week's disaster and meltdown against the Cardinals, it's just kind of a tier ahead of this Titans team. It's the offensive line, too. They're averaging the fourth fewest yards before contact per attempt due to the fact no one can block. And Henry, one year removed from a Jones fracture at 28, has only broken two tackles through two games. Like, he can't get ahead of steam, and thus he can't break tackles because he's getting stuffed the moment he touches the ball. So right now, just this overall team is a disaster. Remember, like, the Titans can shed... I think the number is $23 million by cutting Ryan Tannehill in the offseason. That's kind of the way we always thought they would go. And, like, there's no doubt they're looking at practically a rebuild next year at this rate. He's going to get benched, I think, like almost certainly at some point. I mean, it just makes sense if they are winless. Every team scapegoats their quarterback. That's why Mariota, I think, only has a couple more games left because the Falcons' schedule, look at their next month after the Seahawks game. If they lose the Seahawks, he's getting benched in the next three games. Um, so, yeah, I think so, too, given the draft capital they have and Malik Willis. And we have key injuries on the Titans side, too. Bud Dupree, uh, Taylor Luan both left late in that uh, bloodbath against the Bills. They matter for that team. I mean, Taylor Luan is not necessarily the tackle that he was, you know, two, three years ago, but he's still impactful for a team that has offensive line depth and talent issues to begin with. And Max Crosby, I, I re- when I rewatched that Raiders-Cardinals game, Max Crosby didn't get there all the time, but man, he was a problem for Kyler and that offense. And he is going to wreak havoc in this game. So this is another one. It's very similar to me to the, the Niners spot where it feels like, gosh, this feels like a square play. Cause you know, we dealing, we're dealing with a team that's coming off of a playoff berth and they're at home and they're catching points to a Raiders team that we're not sure is very good per se. Definitely has some defensive issues in the back half and whatnot, but like, I think they kind of match up nicely with the Titans um, because I don't think they're going to be able to throw the ball very well. I think Crosby continues to be a problem. So I'll be looking for uh, Crosby sack props, maybe get an over half <laughs> on a sack. Um, I'll also give you a, a divine Diablo prop. Um, 16 tackles last week. It's going to be like six and a half, maybe for pops. What so, does this show? Even? Listen, another running team, yeah. a line, a linebacker that's going to get in there. Look, we can't do props in the prop show. Um, we save it for the props, but this is not, this is not off limits. We're going to give these here. So uh, we'll be looking for some, some Raiders uh, action here to kind of back up Connor. Cause I'm, I'm with you on the, on that side. Um, I think the Raiders are probably the play. 
Yeah, I, I mean, we didn't even talk about Devontae Adams, who had a down week last week. You know, I, I he's very much in play to crush this secondary that was just abused by the Bills last week. Crush. I mean, yeah. you know, just destroyed. So, I mean, even we had, uh, what's his name? Jake Kumaro was dusting guys in the Titans. I mean, like, what? that's how you know. That's how you know it's bad. We'll stay with that team, the Bills. Uh, I'm taking the Bills, my next play, uh, over 30 and a half. Uh, you can get this at plus 100 on bet MGM. Um, I mean, look, at this point, like, I just, I kind of, I'm going to bet on that we see it until we don't. And maybe that's the wrong way, but I just feel like the way that this scheme is, is operating right now probably gets Gabe Davis back this week. Uh, they are going to be a force. They have dominated the Bills of late. They've won seven straight. They have top 31 in six of those seven. And I think it's a scheme thing. And yeah, there's been a coaching change, but they, Josh Boyer's still in town in Miami, same defensive coordinator as last year. They play a ton of single high safety, man coverage across the board, and they blitz their face off. Um, they lead the league in blitz rates. Uh, they did last year, 39%. They're at 38% through the first two weeks, just like third in the league. They're still right up there. Um, in the rare instance that they don't blitz, they basically rush three and drop everyone else. They are very predictable. When you look at some of the scheme stuff at defensive coordinators and tendencies, a lot of them are, are muddy. Like they don't typically do one thing, and that's probably good. But when we find these scenarios and these outliers that are very predictable, I think there's ways to take advantage of that. And I think this is what happens with the Bills. And the problem with blitzing that heavy is you got to get home. And unfortunately, right now, the Dolphins are dead last in pressure rate, 7.4% on the season. It is really tough to be that committed to the blitz and not get home. And then on the other side, Buffalo is actually the best protection offensive line so far in the season. They are allowing the lowest pressure rate in the league. It's a really bad mix here, considering how the Bills are just kind of firing on all cylinders. And because I actually think that the Dolphins are going to be able to score a little bit too, I think the game environment just kind of presses up here. The Bills are going to have to get over to 31 comfortably. There's 29 and a half out there like minus 120 in a few spots. When we kind of look at historical distribution of scores, 30 is not very common. 31 happens more than double. I'm comfortable taking the, you know, 20 cents there to get me at 30 and a half. So uh, give me the bills over. And uh, Tegel, you could take it from there and and give us your thoughts on your second pick as well. Just going to add more context to what you said, because the bills haven't scored fewer than 27 points in nine consecutive games dating back to last year. You mentioned Josh Allen against the Blitz in this matchup. against Josh Boyer and last year he was blitzed on 49% of his dropbacks in those two matchups and that made sense because on the season he completed just 58% of his passes for six yards per tenth against the blitz but this year it's an entirely different story the Rams and Titans blitzed him on 28% of his dropbacks in those first two games and he responded with a 68% completion rate for nine and a half yards per attempt without taking a single sack if you want to play two eye safety as well The last year's Bills would have struggled. This year's Bills, it doesn't matter at all. Allen's only attempted 69 passes the entire year, and only six have been thrown 20 yards deep. 63% of his passes have been thrown within nine yards of the line of scrimmage because he takes what you give him now as well. So I just don't know how anyone stops this offense from humming along until they create something entirely different, and I don't think Miami has that answer at all. So I would agree. And I, I like, but I would say that I prefer the team total a lot more than the spread for one reason. I mean, the Bills secondary right now and defense is really banged up. I mean, right now we're looking at Dane Jackson, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. Um, and uh, there was one more also who did not practice as well today. Um, I mean, they're looking at, you know, some of their top defenders now being out. 
I think that Miami can hang, you know, like I, that's kind of my issue is that I think that Buffalo has no problem scoring 30 plus, but I, the issue is that now I think that I've seen enough for Miami to think that they can also, they can also kind of compete um, against a, a banged up Bills secondary, you know, against their regular secondary. I do not think so. I think this would be bills up until seven. Um, but I just don't understand who is going to guard Tyreek and Waddle and with how they're playing, how they're scheming. Uh, I mean, I don't think last week's necessarily a great barometer going forward. Obviously, they're again they're playing literally all backups, um, you know, in the Ravens secondary. But I still think that at this point they're good enough to, uh, you know, compete and and kind of like run along this trap meet. So I'd probably lean towards an over on team total for the Bills or over in the game, um, even at a high total. Uh, that's kind of my lean. But I don't. I mean, again, like I agree with you guys that I don't think Miami is stopping the Bills. I, I still just have major question marks of what happens when two is under pressure because he's been under duress, the league's fifth lowest rate so far. And he's only averaged a five and a half depth of target when he's been under pressure. But the issue is the bills are coming. The bills have only blitzed three times all year and they have the league's highest sack rate through two games. Like they're coming for him. And like, I don't know what happens. Like, I don't know if he cowers from that point. So there are so many more question marks on the Dolphins side of the ball than there are the bills to me. This is really surprising was what happened last week. It was part of where I went wrong on how I was handicapping that game. The you know, Baltimore and Miami game is we'd seen a lot of like a lot of zone in the first week from Mike McDonald, the uh, DC from the Ravens. And then we saw a lot of man from them last week, which is really surprising. And that's kind of why I think we saw to a flourish a little bit. He took advantage of those, those man snaps. And they were able to get behind there. And obviously if you can hit those guys in stride, they're difference makers with the ball in their hands. I don't think, especially because of the issues that Buffalo is facing here, that they're going to run a lot of man, if man at all, you're going to see a lot of zone stuff, make Tua, you know, kind of just move the ball down the field. They'll play really deep. And we've seen historically Tua's really struggled against zone in comparison to man. So I think you see that kind of, especially out of necessity because of the lack of, of depth and all the injury issues, I think they are probably forced into more zone looks and that doesn't bode as well for two. I think they still have success to your point, Connor, but I still think they're not going to be able to have the success that they can't protect it. Taron Armstead. They have some other issue issues up front offensive line wise to protect him. So uh, to JD's point, if they start to really collapse the pocket in a different way than Baltimore was able to, it could get a little bit more ugly than it did last week. What was the look ahead on this game? Cause I, I think six is a discount and only because of two quarters the Dolphins played. I thought it was seven and a half, wasn't it? No. Yeah, it was, that's crazy, if so. Wasn't it? No, it I don't think it was that high. high. Yeah, no. let me see. I'll, I'll, um, I have it right here. But yeah, I'm, pers- I'm personally gauging six as a discount, and only because of the last two quarters. No, I think it was shorter. Yeah, so it opened preseason three and a half. Uh, it was four and a half coming into the uh, look at. So the actually, so how the, the Bills have yeah. played has affected the line. Okay, Correct. interesting. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. All right, Connor. Um, your last one. Actually, I'm going to steal it for you before you know. Um, a lot of the stats and a lot of stuff that we talk about are in reference to um, some of the tools that we have here. We have a team stat and a player stat explorer, 444.com. Check them out. They're part of the betting subscription. It gets you everything on the site, every article, tool, weekly rankings, projections, all of our written content, the subscriber-only Discord, which I think is the best resource out there uh, for placing bets and get everything as soon as we place them. NBA team is off and running with divisional previews. They have a live show here on our YouTube channel every Wednesday, still covering MMA, uh, college football. We got picks in there. We're going to be hitting college hoops in a stronger way, I think, this year than the past. We're going to be covering the World Cup for you. So uh, 444.com slash plans secures you the betting sub. 
uh, take advantage of that because there's lots of great stuff. Uh, all right, bring us home, Connor. Yeah, I also want to say the matchups tool is just like incredible because you can literally click two teams and just see all their metrics right next to each other and how they match up right away, uh, which you cannot do basically anywhere else on the internet. So uh, it's something that just makes it super easy to start handicapping games and like get a good, I guess, like macro view on both squads here. Um, but my last bet, Packers, Broncos, teaser, both getting them up to plus seven and a half. Um, I mean, first off, I think that it's important to shop around because there's a lot of better odds on teasers at different shops, but I think getting the hook here is pretty important. Uh, this is called, you know, a wonk teaser, something we've referenced multiple times in the show, getting through the three and the seven. Um, it's generally one of the more profitable and most profitable teaser strategies. Um, you know, obviously we talk about avoiding mistakes. I think this is actually going towards you know, something that's been a successful strategy here. Um, looking at these games and handicaps, I don't necessarily love each team, but the reality is they're both playing in, you know, low scoring environments um, and games where there's just not going to be a ton of variance here. We're like, I don't see either team either way getting um, blown out. Um, and so the Bucks here, you know, missing Mike Evans, missing Chris Godwin, um, Julio still not practicing for them. I think that matters a little bit more for Brady than it does for Rogers. Just considering the drop off for from Evans and Godwin to you know Scotty Miller and Rashad Perriman compared to the Packers receivers who all did not practice today either. Um, you know, like those guys are already not good. So like I don't just don't think it matters that much here. Um, I think both teams have a decent amount of success on, on the ground, um, and probably the Bucks have a decent amount there, but. In terms of passing passing the ball, I'm a little bit worried here about uh, Brady and just his recent performances without talent. And that's something that, I mean, even dating back to his New England days, like we've harped on pretty relentlessly, at least I have, is that he needs talent around him at this point to be successful. Like he's not, he, he needs guys who can get open, at least in some way or another, because there's only so much scheming he can do. So I think that like that, that game's kind of a field goal either way. And we already talked about the Broncos. Again, like another game that I think is probably a field goal either way. It would really surprise me for either of these teams to lose by like essentially eight or more. And you're looking at 10 plus because of the key numbers. I am fine with the Packers plus the touchdown. Uh, I do still like the Bucks outright though, because it's more about the, what their defense brings to the table, right. not the Bucks offense since the Bucks offense just changed. Um, and they're fine with the way they are, honestly, like they've had last the past two years, they've averaged a league high 40 attempts per game. This year, they're averaging 30 attempts per game for two weeks and they're bottom three and pass play rate from neutral game script. They want to be a run heavy team, in my opinion, given their offensive line issues, not the wide receiver issues. And so overall, I think they're comfortable leaning on Lenny who's doing great, honestly. So, so, yeah, I still like the Bucks in this matchup. Yeah, I lean Bucks too, but I, I think Connor's doing the touchdown the right way. safe. Yeah, yep, yeah, for sure. Especially with a low, you know, low totals, I think are, you know, even better way to to approach the, the long teaser. So, no problem with that at all. Yeah, we talked yeah. about the other side of it too, right? We talked to the the San Fran Denver side where you know I feel good about San Fran, but I also don't feel like they're running away with this whatsoever, and um, no problem with with that at all. So. Um, the one thing I will say too is, and I get I get pushed back on Connor a little bit on this earlier because the FanDuel has egregious two-team six-point teaser prices. Um, the ability to get the Green Bay number through the seven was crucial to him here, and I totally get that um, because no, I think it was the only at the time it was the only other place that had the one and a half um, to, to let him get through the seven and a half. But man, like shopping around, typically DraftKings has a little bit better. Um, two team six point teaser numbers. You can shop at some different spots, but man, yeah, FanDuel, figure that out. Minus 134 is there's just no reason to, to yeah, have that. 
not ideal odds, and I'm sure you'll get better odds at some point, but just for the sake of the show, I needed something to cite and I would still play it, but you know, I think that I put down like half unit. Now I'm going to put a full unit down when I can find better odds, because I, I do think you'll find it. I mean, that's, it's going to keep moving towards Tampa. It's going to keep moving towards San Fran. Um, so I think you'll be able to get it somewhere else, but also, um, you know, offshores, locals, um, a lot of locals will float minus one fifteens or minus one twenties on two team six point teasers. Some books though, because it's a long teaser through the three and the seven, we'll say that they're offering one fifteens, but we'll actually give you minus one twenty fives because you're going through the three and seven. Um, they, they, it's called like, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a phrase for it that they call it, but it's not a fixed, uh, teaser. So just a heads up. So if you're listening to the podcast, maybe later in the week, you know, Friday, Saturday, and you're looking at this, because I think Connor's right. You might see some more one and a halfs pop up in the market, and then you might be able to find a different book that can get you closer to this spot. So I think it probably, I don't see we have any line movement that's going to take us out of the the Denver side of that either. So no problem with that. Um, Daigle, we are doing the same thing that we did the, the last one, um, kind of tag team, tag teaming aside here, but I'll let you kick it off with our Philadelphia Eagles love uh, producer Sal. I apologize. I'm going to mix it up, but we're going to give it the Eagles love here to start. Nothing has changed for Washington's defense whatsoever. Maybe it's because Chase Young's injured, but we have no idea when he'll be back. If he'll even be back when he's, when he's scheduled to but overall right now Washington is allowed a league high seven and a half yards per carry and already five touchdowns in the red zone through two games last week against the Lions they permitted 10 plays of 15 plus yards 10 and now you get an Eagles offense that not only beat the Lions scored 36 points against them but is humming along even more efficiently than Detroit is um I guess sharps may argue that you are buying the Eagles high after a, a amazing national TV performance and it is a short week for them, but I honestly just make the argument that one team's a contender and the other is just a joke. So no, I, I lean the Eagles is just genuinely the better outright team on both sides of the ball. I just think we have not really seen a return of that 2020 Washington defense. That was really, I think predicated on getting pressure with their front four. And as you mentioned, you would chase young still out, you know, they really haven't been able to replicate that success. And it's again, we talked about this in the preseason, they were running it back with the same dudes and the same scheme. And their hope was to, I guess, stay healthy. And they never really started healthy. So it's a problem. 24th in points per drive, uh, explosive play rate, 25th in EPA, 28th in football outsiders, defensive DVOA, met, DVOA metric. And then, as you talked about, I mean, the Eagles are playing fast and they're playing efficient. And it's kind of a perfect mix. Um, shout out to Pat Thorman at ETR, his uh, terrific snaps and pace article. Mentioned that the Eagles are featuring the fourth most overtime adjusted plays per game through two weeks. And obviously play volume matters even more when you're firing on all cylinders. If you use our team stat tool, you can see basically that the Eagles rank top five in nearly every key offensive metrics, EPA per play, explosive play rate, both run and pass play success rates, points per drive success rate in particular, I think matters early in the season when we don't have a large sample to bank on because we're just able to get an understanding of like contextually was the play successful. And while we're kind of waiting for some of the other stuff to get sample size parsed out, you can get a, a good grasp of how strong a team is playing early in the season with their success rate and the Eagles are crushing. So um, I just don't see any holes here where, you know, maybe again that you can get a backdoor situation where Washington is able to hang a little bit, but like, I don't know. I still feel strong on the Eagles covering too, but I feel really good about the team total. I got a uh, 26 and a half. I think it's basically gone. 
Um, other than DraftKings, which is still out there, 26 and a half. There's a lot of 27s out there. Again, key number in team totals at 27. So getting over uh, below the 27 is a great place to be. I haven't looked. Have y'all popped a Eagles future into the Discord as well? The numbers might be small, especially after that performance on Monday night. But if you look at their schedule, dude, it is it is like okay. undefeated team. Like it we is. got a bunch preseason, but nothing late. A ton, and, yeah. And we knew, and we knew the schedule was easy too. But the fact they're playing like this, man. Yeah, I took a fourteen. Connor took a bunch. I took fourteen to one to be the number one seed in the NFC. Um, preseason, um, and then we took him to win the division. Um, I took one more, but I know I think Connor's got like six. Sirianni, coach of the year, 25 to one. Uh, that's down to that. like seven to one. The way um, I think it would work, we're only through two games, so this is probably idiotic talk, but uh, <laughs> the way I think it would work is they'd probably give what Jalen Hurts, offensive player of the year, and Josh Allen MVP. Um, I think that's how it would work. So, but you know, if you got the Hurts 40 to one MVPs, you're obviously live, but I mean, right now, Josh Allen's the MVP. Yeah. Right. Also, I think, I don't know if we played, it was like most wins in the league. You could bet on Philly there. I mean, they were favored coming into the year of 12 of 17 games. Now, I mean, I think they're favored in almost every game at this point. Uh, I think Saints, one or two spots. Is, Saints is probably their toughest matchup left to date. And then other than that, like Steelers defense, but like their offense doesn't matter. So, I mean, they, dude, it's so smooth sailing. Yeah, it's, it's a good spot to be. I feel good about the, the one seed in the, uh, in the, good. I want, I want to see Jalen Hurts succeed. Uh, he left a lot of yards on the field in week one, still got it done. Uh, week two was awesome. Uh, even his deep throws were awesome. So no, I want him to succeed. Look, they had a home run in the off season, right? They crushed the draft made some nice acquisitions in free agency. Oh, yeah. If they can use that treasure chest of, of picks to like do stuff around him, right. The to quarterback, support him yeah. woof, without having to use it. Which know, was the argument the coming into the year for fantasy was that actually like, they're incentivized to not do that running plan because they have to see what they have. Like they have to know if he can compete. Right. And it's working. Oh yeah. I think their win total, which is crazy now opened up at like eight and a half. Um, they're, they were what plus two sixty five to win the division at open. Um, or I think plus three fifty actually, we got it like plus two sixty closed it as the favorites at plus one thirty, And now, are minus 200 to win the division currently live, which honestly, barring probably a Jalen Hurts injury, is probably still fine to play. Like, yeah. I think that that is still fine. And to be honest, I mean, I know that Jalen Hurts is terrific, but I also think that Gardner Minshew could slide into that offense against the schedule, and they probably are still the division favorites considering all the stuff that's going on elsewhere in the division. So I'm um, looking at my team preview. Please don't say you went under. Uh, Eagles to win the NFC East. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, was my best, that was my best medal to preview. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Kevin pointing out that Caesar still has Philly at seven to one for the most wins, which is. Oh, that's a good number. Good job, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, gentlemen, uh, I feel good about this week. You know, again, we just you, you get our footing, get it going a little bit, get some positive momentum. And I feel like we're, uh, we're heading in the right spot. So Let, laying points, I understand isn't the sharpest, but also I, I think we're in a situation where we already have, some strong leans and that we need to lay these points early because later on, like the line may be adjusted even higher. If in hindsight, we could see the next 10 games, these teams play. Yeah. I mean, you're, we're picking three bets for the show. So like, I'm sure if you were to have to pick the entire slate, you're going to have, you know, numerous dogs, but if you're able to just say, Hey, these are the plays I'm the most convicted on. I want to share and talk about. And I do like, I do like a Lions plus five and a half, and I also like Bengals minus the five and a half as well. Those are two, those are two other bets I almost talked about, but it's just not fun to talk about the Jets. Uh, I think the Bengals are an interesting look ahead line uh, for next week. If you happen to want to dig into that market, they are home 
favorites against the Dolphins. It's just minus one and a half. Again, the cover two stuff has been kind of a Joe Burrow bugaboo so far this year. Talking about earlier how the Dolphins are struggling to get pressure. Um, they're going to see a lot of man coverage that can maybe unleash a little bit of, of Burrow. So if the Bengals get right this week and take care of the Jets and then the Bills do what Daigle and I think happens, that one and a half is probably gone and it's probably at least three. So not a bad look ahead if you happen to buy into that thought. It's also, though, just natural regression for Burrow. Uh, last year, you can't lead the league in completion rate yards per attempt and a 60% completion rate in the red zone and not think these things don't naturally regress. It's almost as if we talked about that, and I got yelled at. There you go. I was, I, I was about to say, I'm I'm, uh, I'm going to retweet your tweet at some point and start getting it back into the ecosystem Please let again. more football be played. Please let – I'm, I'm, I'm not going I, to personally victory lap, but please let more football happen I was really close to doing it no. and just start retweeting all the ones just for fun because I think it's funny. It's not my tweet, but, you know, I don't want you to go through that hell again when they win, like, nine of their next ten games and then, uh, you know – you end up getting dumped down again. So uh, you don't need that. <laughs> you stay fans. I'll be the man. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to close. Uh, again, reminder, prop drop on Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern here on the YouTube page. Again, podcast form, wherever you listen, you can find both the game previews here and that as well. So uh, good stuff as always, gentlemen, for Connor and Daniel and Ryan. We'll see you all yeah. on Friday. <laughs>